Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Wow, am I glad to be here today. It's been a long time. Roger told me that uh, as a guest today, I should be first in the lunch line. So uh, I am, though, very grateful to be here. I will go ahead and introduce the topic today, which is marriage and finances. And my main point about this whole message is that when a couple is on the same page about their finances, it contributes to unity in the marriage. And when I first heard that statement made by Dave Ramsey, that really struck a chord with me because I had never considered that before, how that if you, if you and your spouse are on the same page about your finances, how that will contribute to unity in the marriage. And, uh, and I was really interested in that because that's what I like is unity in the marriage. I like to have a home of shalom. I like to have a home of peace and love and faith and harmony. So, and so that really struck a chord with me. And it turns out that it's very important because on the other hand, money problems are a major cause of divorce. And, and that's, that's the flip side that's the, that's the sad part. Have you ever uh, experienced uh, one of those times when your spouse is looking at the bills and got them all laid out there and, and you hear, get in here! <laughs> And then you proceed to have this, this money fight or this visa argument or whatever it may be. And so it can be a real problem. Try to go to the next slide if you can. There we go. So this is not just going to be talking about counting dollars and cents. We'll consult several Bible verses as guidance for our lives. And single people... You can benefit from this too because it has to do with managing your life. Now one of the main ingredients about managing money is self-control. And what does the Bible say about self-control? It says in Galatians 5:22 through 23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And so, self-control is a lot of what this is about. And so, these verses are near and dear to my heart. I, I memorized these verses about the fruit of the Spirit when I was young, and uh, it has helped me so much along the way to you know, stop and meditate on these things and consider that this is the way, these are the qualities that I need to have in my life. When I, ha- when I have qualities that are, that are running against these, uh, then, then I get in a trouble spot. Also notice that that very last statement there in the passage is I find very interesting. Against such, there is no law. And if we were to read the verses prior to that, it would talk about the works of the flesh, uh, which are the sinful things. And we do find laws against those things in the Bible. 
But against these things, the fruit of the Spirit, we don't find any laws against those. And so, and so that's our guidance. That's how we know uh, righteousness from sin or from unrighteousness. And so obviously, managing money requires self-control. And you can relate that to the rest of our lives as well. Self-control is required in our dealings with our fellow man, in all of the rest of our dealings with our spouse, besides the money matters. Uh, It's required when we need to stay away from the things that we shouldn't be involved in. And it's, it's just required over the whole spectrum of life. And so let's take that into account and consider that as we talk about money management and consider that this is, this is part of life, money management is, uh, but this self-control idea extends way beyond that and towards every aspect of our lives. My mom told me that I need to be a good manager of my money, and that's good instruction. My mom and dad did many good things for me, for which I'm thankful. But I was not trained very well in the details of managing money. And I remember when I was a kid that I stored away a $20 bill in my chest of drawers. And I thought as long as that was there, that I was safe. I thought that I thought I was in good shape, that I was set. Now, in today's world, maybe that $20 might be more like $50 or $100. But in today's world, just think, $100 doesn't go very far, does it? And back then, in reality, $20 didn't go very far. But to me, as a kid, I thought, like I said, that if I had that $20 tucked away in that drawer, that I was set. But there's so much more to it. I needed to learn more, and I am still learning. Whether you are single or married, if you find yourself in the position of needing to know more about managing your money, then I encourage you, set out to learn. If you are married and neither of you are experienced in this, learn together. A good source of information is Dave Ramsey's material. In fact, much of what I present today is based on his financial material. Eighteen years ago, when Keith was about 18, he gave me a set of Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University CDs to listen to. And so I thank you, Keith. They changed my life. Praise Yahweh. As I began to listen to those CDs, I put the first one in the deck. And I really was not expecting much from what would be possibly another boring financial guy. But I was surprised. I realized that I could listen to this guy and understand him. So, in fact, one of the things Dave talks about is that if you go to a financial person to get counseling, and they have their glasses down at the end of their nose, and they look over at you above their glasses with that condescending look, and they're saying things that you don't understand, you need to tell them, you're fired. And so, 
Dave puts a lot of uh, humorous things uh, in his content, a lot of things that we can laugh about, that we can cry about, that are true to life. And so I discovered, like I said, that, hey, man, this is a financial person that, that I can listen to, that I can understand. And so it was really refreshing, and I really learned a lot and continue to learn to this day. So when we talk about this money situation, realize that in 1 Timothy 6.10 it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. And I want to read that passage there in verses 6 through 10 of 1 Timothy 6. Now reverence, which that word, by the way, is translated from the Greek word eusebia, which means reverence or piety. Now reverence with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice the text does not say that money is a root of all kinds of evil. It says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by the way, I, in the, in the uh, text that I quoted there, I quoted from the New King James Version, as I usually do. But the Old King James Version has that familiar, familiar phrase, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Whereas the New King James Version says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So basically the same, pretty close, but a little different wording. And I think the wording that most of us are used to hearing is the phrase, the love of money is the root of all evil. But getting back to the point, remember that the text says that the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Conversely, reverence to Yahweh with contentment, which is great gain, as mentioned in, in the first verse in the passage shown there, verse 6, this is what should always be our top priority, reverence to Yahweh with contentment, which is great gain. This should always be our top priority. Family, work, and all other things fall in line after these. In the context of this passage, those who desire to be rich, mentioned in verse 9, elevate money over serving Yahweh. So, once again, reverence with contentment is great gain, and the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. I want to look at some scriptural examples of people who served Yahweh and possessed wealth. And so, let's consider Abram, or Abraham. In Genesis 13:2, it says, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Also Job, in Job 42:12. Now Yahweh blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 
6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Also, let's take a look at Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 18. So, this passage that I'm quoting here begins with a warning. Beware. Beware that you do not forget Yahweh your Elohim by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget Yahweh your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember Yahweh your Elohim, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And so here in this passage, we're actually warned about getting the wrong mindset, getting our eyes on ourselves. If we have been blessed with wealth, if we have been blessed with being able to make progress at this money management situation, and we have uh, got some money put away, and maybe we have some uh, possessions, we're warned not to forget Yahweh, to keep things in the right perspective. And this harkens back to the to the other passage that we read in 1 Timothy 6. Remember it said that reverence, that is reverence to Yahweh, serving Him with contentment is great gain. And everything else falls in line after that. And so in this passage we're warned, beware that we don't forget Yahweh. And even when we've prospered, particularly then, don't forget Yahweh. Keep this in perspective. Keep the priorities in line. Keep Yahweh and serving Him at the top of the list. And then just once again to reiterate that last verse, you shall remember Yahweh your Elohim, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. So have you gotten wealth? Praise Yahweh and thank Him for it and give Him the glory. It is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Maybe today you don't have wealth, but you want to work this plan, you want to work this thing, and get better at it, and prosper. Always take this message with you. Remember, Yahweh is the top priority, and giving thanks to him, and giving glory to him, and everything else falls in line after that. One of the things that Dave Ramsey explains is that money is amoral. That is, money does not have morals. It is not moral, neither is it immoral. It is amoral, meaning it lacks morals. You could say the same thing with a, uh, for a brick. Bricks are also amoral. 
we have a lot of experienced bricklayers in our, con in our congregation. And as they could tell you, bricks can be used to build an assembly building, a school, or a nice brick house. Or, on the other hand, they could be used to throw through a window and destroy property. It's not a brick problem, it's a people problem. Money is the same way. Put into the hands of people, it can be used as a tool for good or for bad. So remember that money is amoral, and the important thing is what we do with it, how we treat it. It's up to us. Now I want to look at the big picture. We need to realize that the big picture view of our finances should involve three overall categories, giving, saving, and spending. And so that, right off the, at the outset, that kind of makes it easier to start getting a handle on this and encapsulating it, that everything that should be involved in our financial lives has to do, should have to do, with giving, saving, and spending. Now, it's the details involved within these three macro categories. That's where the dedication comes in. It's going to take some work and some effort to define that and figure out where everything goes and how much, based on what comes into your house, can go to these different things. But you have to start where you're at. If you're in a situation where you're having money problems right now, you just have to start where you're at. One of the things that Dave Ramsey talks about is that when you're planning how you're going to spend your money for the month, and you don't have enough to go around for all of your obligations, you have to prioritize. And then he talks about drawing a line on the sheet of paper and then putting everything that you can't do under that line and then working at it from there and hopefully getting those things that are under the line above the line as you go. Dave Ramsey has had financial problems in his life and he relates a story about when a creditor called him one time, and the creditor was just eating on him upside one down, up, up one side and down the other, you know, give us money. And uh, so Dave said he told him, he said, uh, well, I can't pay you this month because you're below the line. And he, he, said, he said the guy was just astonished. He, what do you mean below the line? He said, oh, I made a list of everybody I can pay, and you're below the line, so you don't get paid this month. And he said, the guy asked him, well, what do I do to get above the line? <laughs> and he said, you be nicer the next time you call. <laughs> and so you have to start where you're at. And if you do that, it's, it's like baby steps. You take the first baby step, and then you begin to learn as you go. Scripture says in Proverbs 21:20, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. The NIV may make it a little clearer. This is the version that Dave Ramsey quotes. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Well, I can relate along with Dave Ramsey 
about how that according to this verse, there are times in my life when I've been foolish. That is, there are times in my life that I have spent it all and I haven't set anything back. In the house of the wise are stores, that indicates some savings, of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. And so that's a good verse about the principle of saving that we find in the Bible. Even before I became aware of Dave Ramsey, Melissa and I started trying to figure out why it didn't seem like that we were gaining any traction on our finances. It seemed like that we were bringing enough in that something should, something should be occurring here to indicate a, 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 positive, uh, a positive step up. Well, I can tell you that the first thing we looked at is how much we were spending on eating out. And we were shocked when we added it up. We had no idea, no idea, literally. And so if you're in the place where we were, then you might consider that being your first baby step, is add up how much you spend on eating out. I think, I think that's a common situation with a lot of people. So we were shocked, and that was kind of a wake-up call that spurred us into act, to action. This experience pointed out the need of a budget, or what I prefer to call a spending plan. Uh, the word budget to me seems a little like it puts me in a straitjacket. It just helps me psychologically to say, hey, this is my spending plan, and forget the budget word. Don't use the B word. Just say, hey, this is my spending plan. And what you do in a spending plan, or a budget if you prefer, is it's not it putting you in a straitjacket, it's you telling your money where to go. Instead of looking up at the end of the month and saying, wow, all my money's gone, where did it go? And so a spending plan is you telling your money what to do. Now, I need to talk a little bit about nerds and free spirits. And this is one of the things that Dave points out. But nerds and free spirits tend to marry each other. It's, I guess maybe it has something to do with the idea that opposites attract. And so in my family, I'm the nerd. I'm the one that does the details. I'm the one that works with the figures. And my wife is the free spirit if you can imagine that. <laughs> Free spirits want to party. They want to have fun. They don't want to deal with details. And something else that free spirits have a tendency to do is in the spending plan where you have all your categories laid out and how much you allocate to each category like household expenses, uh, house payment, car payment, utilities, and all these things. Entertainment, hey, one of the things about entertainment is, as Dave points out, is that if we are going to blow money, we need to write it down, and we need to blow it on purpose instead of on accident. 
So we just need to admit to ourselves, yes, I'm going to spend so much money this month on my allowance or on entertainment. Put a label on it. Tell your money what it's going to do instead of looking up at the end of the month and wondering where it went. So, getting back to my point, though, one of the things that free spirits have a ten tendency to do when they're looking at this spending plan is that they, they want to raise the entertainment category and leave everything else alone. And I have to say, well, honey, that's not the way it works. If you raise one category, you've got to lower another category so that everything balances out. And that's when I kind of get that deer in the headlights look and that, that kind of looked like I don't want to mess with those details. So, but you have to be aware of that and try to work together. And if somehow two nerds marry each other or two free spirits marry each other, they're going to have to talk about this thing and try to, try to get one person to at least do a little more nerdy stuff so that, so that these details can get done. I really wanted to put the uh, Excel spreadsheet up on the projector because, and by the way, here's a paper copy of it. And I made, I made this worksheet myself, which proves that I'm a nerd. <laughs> but I really wanted to show you this and share it with anybody who would like to have it for your computer to work through it. But this, you can go through these, this has various categories on it, and you can go through and fill these in, and then a lot of the fields auto-calculate for you. And so, if you have, if you bring in, just for round figures, I said $50,000 a year um, into your household, that's what I base this example plan for John and Susie Doe here in the year 2021. For this example, I said, hey, a household income of $50,000. That is what you bring into the house, the money that you actually have access to. And then, I, and then I also said, well, hey, you know, this couple will get an income tax refund of around $5,000. So that's $55,000. Now, if you take out tithes on that, which is 10%, that's what tithe means is 10%, because it's important to do some giving. Remember the three big categories, giving, saving, and spending. And so if you, knock, if you take out tithes out of that, you're going to take out uh, $5,500 over the year for tithes. So if you take 10% out of that, you take $5,500 off and... Under the total expenses at the bottom, it auto-calculates each time that you enter something. It, it knocks it off of your total. And the idea is that you give every dollar a label so that at the bottom of the sheet, you're going to end up with zero, which means you've given every dollar a label. And so for this example uh, worksheet, I put down $200 a year. Uh, over and above any savings that you might already get from a retirement plan at work. $18,000 a year, which is $346.15 weekly for, some, for household expenses. Uh, $50 a month each the spout, for both spouses for allowance. 
Now, that's not very much, but once again, we got to work within where we are at. $50 a month gives you about $11 a week, which means that maybe you could go out to eat at Taco Casa with a coworker. All right. Um, remember, I talked about the importance of admitting if you're going to use money for entertainment. And so for entertainment, I put $2,600 a year, which is, uh, which is uh, $50 weekly, or $216.67 a month. And so that would allow you and your spouse to go out maybe to eat and maybe to a movie if you can find one that is worth watching. All right. So now, hopefully you can get a better idea now. So this is what I was talking about, the, uh, the take-home pay, the income tax refund, the total income to your house, um, and then we had the expenses. And so I guess without repeating all of these figures in detail, just let you look at the, uh, the different categories, entertainment, house payment or rent, uh, car payment or car savings. One of the really cool things is if you can get to the point where you save for your next car, your current car is paid and you save for your next car, and then when you go buy that next car, you pay cash for it. That, that is a really cool thing to do. Uh, auto expenses, utilities, insurance, property tax. Uh, if, you have, if you have pets, you may have pet expenses. The idea is to not forget about anything. And by the way, you will learn as you practice this. This requires practice. It's not going to work the first time you do it. It's probably not going to work the first several times you do it. Dave Ramsey says it takes about three months, and then you'll, you'll start hitting a stride where you get it ironed out. But the important thing is, is making a start and practicing it and adjusting as needed as you go. Uh, some, some emergency expenses. You might notice that I have Murphy repellent next to that. That refers to Murphy's Law, which says that if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Lots of times that's very true to life. And this is something that Dave points out, is that if you have emergency expenses set aside, it's like Murphy repellent. It's like things don't seem like they occur as much as they used to. You've got that money sitting there uh, just waiting for it, and it seems like things don't occur. Emergencies don't occur as much as they once did. And then some miscellaneous funds I put in there for whatever. You know, you might want to buy an appliance or uh, there might be some uh, electronics or home repair, whatever, that you might want to try to be setting aside some money for. And so here we had 55000 total bring in to the home. Here we have total expenses of 55000 which... I, we call that expenses, but remember, some of that included some saving along the way. Once again, you have to pay yourself, and you have to set aside for giving, giving, saving, and spending. And then we get down here to the bottom, and the result is zero. So the idea of paying yourself first, that was a novel idea to me as well. But that's very important. 
We need to set aside money for giving and saving and spending. And by the way, if you don't set aside money for giving and saving at the top, it's likely that you'll never get to it. By the time you get to the bottom of the list, you'll have so many expenses that add up and bring that total down to zero that, that you won't get to, to the giving and saving part. So the giving and saving part has to come off the top and then everything else in order. Now, something else I want to point out about this with regard to the free spirit. Dave points out that you only have 17 minutes with a free spirit. They're not going to sit down and pour over these details for hours like I did when I made this thing. And like I do every year, well, yeah, pretty much. Still, I have to spend hours every year to get my totals and run all the reports and everything. The free spirit is not going to do that. You have 17 minutes with the free spirit. That's what he said, and I've discovered it true with my free spirit wife. If I try to push it over 17 minutes, I'm asking for it. And so I go, I go for the 17-minute rule. So I plug these figures into the spreadsheet, and then at our annual committee meeting, I set it in front of my free spirit wife, and I shut up. I've had my say, and I want to see what she has to say. And once again, you have to be careful because free spirits want to go in and they want to say, well, I want to add to this category and just put a number in there and forget that, well, you have to deduct from another category. Otherwise, this number at the bottom is going to go into the negative and you don't have the money for that. And so it's, a, uh, it's just all, it's, it's all part of the way it works. How many, how many of us know that money is finite? It is, isn't it? There's only so much of it. And you have to work with what you have. You have to work with what you have, and then hopefully, if needed, uh, you can prosper as you go and, uh, and increase that as you go. So like I said, this requires practice. You're not going to get it right the first time, probably not going to get it right the first several times, but you keep working with it. And if you haven't even kept track of what you pay on what categories, well then it may take a while to establish that, unless maybe you've already got it in some Quicken software or something where you can just run the reports over the last year. This may take a while for you to actually see what you're spending on these different categories. And so it requires practice. And what did possibly your grandmother tell you? Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. One other thing I wanted to point out about this uh, spreadsheet is that there is a percentage column there. And so as you enter those expenses, it tells you what percentage of the take-home pay that each thing that you enter is. And so those are there as a safeguard. For example, if your car payment, which the one that I put in for John and Susie Doe 
is 10% of take-home. If your car payment is 50% of your take-home pay, this could indicate a problem. And so that's how that works. Now I want to relate to you a, a story. Does anyone remember this car? I think some people do. <laughs> this was my 1996 Geo Metro after it was several years old. Thank you. I bought this car brand spanking new in 1996, in March of 1996. And I drove it for almost 18 years. It had many trips to this assembly parking lot. There's the window sticker for it. As you can see, we paid $10,783 total price for this car. The gas mileage was rated at 44 City, 49 Highway. I never did quite get that good. The most I got was 42. <laughs> but, uh, when I would pull into the gas station, the thing only held about nine and a half gallons of gas. And way back when I had this thing in the 90s, I could fill up for about $10. And so this car was instrumental in helping us save money and helping us in our financial goals. And one of the things that Dave Ramsey talks about is, hey, you might be in a situation where you have to drive a beater Maybe right now you can't afford a really nice car. And so this car, when it was brand new, it looked nice. It was still a cheap car, but it looked nice. But over the years, it became my beater car, as you could tell in that first picture. Let me see here if there's anything else I want to point out on this, uh, on this screen. Uh, you might notice there that it had a one liter three-cylinder engine. Now think about a one-liter Coke bottle. Those little bitty pistons in there that went up and down, all three of them put together displaced the same amount of air as you would have in a one-liter Coke bottle. And this car, by the way, over the years, became a conversation piece. It actually became pretty famous. You know, somebody, somebody asked me if I'm feeding the squirrels that's in that engine to keep that thing going. And when I, when I would leave Eba Iron on County Road 442 and turn left on FM 570 to go up towards Eastland to come home to Cisco, when you turn out from 442 to 570, you have to immediately climb a hill. Well, that car, without just driving it real rough, and I didn't do that because I wanted it to last, and so I, I didn't go very fast. Up after I would turn out and start heading up that hill. In fact, I would just pull over to the side and people would pass me. But once I got to the top of that hill going down the other side, I'd catch them. <laughs> that, thing, that thing would fly downhill. <laughs> and so, like I said, it became a conversation piece. I had a I had another person tell me that they would know if I was in a wreck because this little bitty car had dual airbags. And if both of those airbags went off at the same time, 
He said he would be able to see me above Eastland going <laughs> like, a, like air coming out of a balloon. <laughs> and so I thought, I, I had to admit, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, as the years went by and it became more and more of a beater, the, uh, the headliner, you know, that fabric that's above your head on the, on the roof of the car, it began to fall down. And as I recall, I think it was even drooping so low that it would even, that I could even feel it on the top of my head. And so at that point, I decided, like I said, it's already a beater by now. And at that point, I decided to take a razor knife and just go all the way around the perimeter of the roof. And I took that cloth out of there. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's another kind of a, a funny story of uh, something that I did with that car. And then as time went along, the, uh, I was heading out that county road 442 one day, uh, coming out of EBA, and I was driving along, and all of a sudden, out of my peripheral vision, I saw the, I saw the uh, outside rearview mirror just fall off the car. It just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I drove down the road to where I could turn around, turn around, came back, picked up the mirror, put it in the car, took it down to Howard White in Cisco, and I asked him if he could reattach that for me, and he said, uh, well, there's nothing left to mount it to. <laughs> and so it also got to the point where, uh, can we, let me see if I can give you some more pictures of this thing before I go on to this next story. So there we go, 17 years, nine months. You might notice no more hubcaps. I stopped messing with the hubcaps. <laughs> I think I lost one or two of them and then stopped messing with them after probably about 10 or 12 years. Uh, there's the back of it. Some of you might recognize that bumper sticker that we had made here at the assembly. It says, choose life so that both you and your seed may live from the book of Deuteronomy. I really love that bumper sticker. So just getting a few more views of it. You can see it's a definite beater. Five-speed manual, and I already mentioned the engine, but you can see the stick shift down there, and that goes along with this next story I wanted to tell you. Towards the end of having this car, I would start out in first gear, and sometimes I would go to shift it to second, and it, it wouldn't go. And then by the time I would try it, I would lose so much speed that I'd just have to pull over because I couldn't go back, because I couldn't go to third. I just had to pull over and start over. So I'd start over, put it in first, and I would really wind it out there, and then I'd go directly from first to third. So that's how I solved that problem. But it wasn't long after that that Melissa and I decided, I think it's time. I think it's time. So let's move on to the next photo. Oh, here's the 256,178 miles. I took these pictures right before trade-in. So I, that car was amazing. And here is trade-in time. And so, uh, but all those miles, by the way, this is another blessing. All those miles and the biggest job that we ever had to do to that thing was at about 88,000 miles we had to replace the clutch. Now, if you can imagine the little clutch on that thing was probably about that big around. 
but at, at only about 88,000 miles. And then the amazing thing is, is that that replacement clutch, clutch lasted the rest of the way, 255, whatever it was. And so the uh, salesman from Enterprise Car Sales, David Belinsky, was uh, really nice and met us in Weatherford at, uh, that's the store there when you exit on 20, and there's this little convenience store right there on the corner. That's where we're at. And so that was trade-in night. And then, next slide, my salesman was too tall for this trade-in. <laughs> As you can see, the roof of the car is about right here on him. But somehow he folded into that thing, and he drove it all the way back to Arlington. And so that's one of my stories that, kind of, that goes along with this idea of, of finances. We were really blessed to have that car. The, the amount of money that it saved us in fuel and the way that it ran with hardly any repairs uh, was just amazing. In fact, I've joked around with people talking about, remember I mentioned that it had this one liter Suzuki engine in it, and I've joked with people and told them that, you know, I imagine there's some Suzuki engineers that are probably looking for that car because it was probably some kind of prototype engine or something that they put in there. And then they noticed that, oh, no, we let that one get, get out of here. We let that one go. We got to find that. So, but I'm thankful for Yahweh's blessings on that. Truly, it was, it was amazing and, and helped us out. And I can't remember if there's a uh, next slide you might check. Oh, yes. More fun to go back and complete John and Susie Doe's spending plan, which basically we've already done that. And so I just want to point out again there for the last, for the last one, which it's kind of washed out on that display. But remember, as I pointed out at the outset, that when a couple is on the same page about their finances, it contributes to unity in the marriage. And we've seen that in the Bible that we're given some guidance about savings. We're given a lot of guidance, some examples of which I gave today about how that we are to remember Yahweh. Don't forget Yahweh. Remember that blessings flow from Him. Remember that as, as we read in that passage in Deuteronomy that it is Yahweh who gives us the power to get wealth. Remember that if we prosper, that we consider who blessed us, that we don't forget Yahweh. If we find ourselves in a prosperous state, that we don't get our eyes on ourselves, in other words, but that we remember Yahweh, give Him the glory. And so as we talk about marriage and finances, you know, we've been doing several weeks on different things that have to do with marriage. And so as we talk about marriage and finances, I want, I want to again ask you to remember that when a couple is on the same page about their finances, it contributes to unity in the marriage. I want to also encourage our single people that this is a part of your life that you need to have in order as well. And the sooner that you have it in order, the better. And as a matter of fact, just think, if there were two single people 
who had these things in order and then they got married, think of how much easier the path would be instead of having to go, go into a marriage without these principles and possibly have problems and have to uh, learn these things later. And so, by the way, uh, the assembly here is, uh, we're supposed to start a, uh, a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University weekly class that's supposed to meet during the week, starting at Tuesday, uh, starting this coming Tuesday night at 7. And so I just wanted to mention that as well. And a lot more details uh, will come out in that. And I just wanted to let you know uh, about that. You can get more details about that. Uh, probably Walker might be the best one to ask. I'm not sure. And so with that, uh, may Yahweh bless you financially and in every way. Thank you. Thank you.